0: Listener Production. Hey, I'm pro surfer and mental health advocate, Cooper Chapman, and this is Good Humans. Most people when they turn 15 are just getting ready to finish their last few years of school, but not Caroline Marks. When she turned 15, she was the youngest woman to ever qualify for the World Surf League Tour. In this chat, she opens up to me about the difficulties in growing up on the road, and she also lets me know about how excited she was when she found out she was going to the 2021 Tokyo Olympic Games. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast, Caroline Marks.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) So where in the world are you at the moment? I'm obviously sitting here in Narraveen. We're on Zoom. Where are you located right now?
1: So I'm currently at home in San Money, California. Three and a half months later, made it back home.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, seriously. Did you enjoy the Ausleg? It was pretty fun, obviously, getting to come spend some time in the country, which is probably the least affected by COVID.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I had so much fun, you know, especially after having like a full year of like, you know, kind of uncertainty and um, no contests and things like that. Um, It was really fun to just have four set events that were guaranteed and to live not in fear and to just be back on such a set routine. And uh, it was just great to see everyone again. And um, yeah, I mean, competing is like my favorite thing in the world. So it was just really fun to live that life again. And um, yeah, Australia is amazing. You know, it's one of my favorite places in the world. So that was that was really cool.
0: Yeah, it's it's epic. We we're very lucky to have you over here. And it's great to see you so successful, especially here at Narabeen, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. But I want to rewind back a little bit. You're 19 years old now. You're the youngest woman to ever qualify for the world tour. And you've had a very stacked career in the short time you've been pretty much been surfing. Obviously 19 is a very young age to be traveling the world as a professional surfer, and you've been doing it for quite some time now, but I want to re- rewind all the way back. What was your family life like growing up? You've obviously got a few siblings. Can you fill me in on that kind of development stage from your kind of, from what you can remember from five to 12, what your life was like back then?
1: Yeah. Um, well, it's pretty funny because I actually used to uh, horseback ride, um, which is so different than surfing because that's like all on land, no water, things like that. Um But, yeah, you know, I pretty much yeah grew up in Florida and um, grew up in Melbourne Beach, Florida and um, lived right across the street from the beach. And on the other side, uh, we lived on the lake. So we just pretty much surf and fish, go back and forth. And that's what we would do all day. I never really was on my phone or anything like that. We'd always just be outside and outdoors and um, we'd ride like our dirt bikes to go check the waves and stuff. So um, pretty, pretty cool way to grow up. And, um, yeah, so I pretty much horseback rode till I was about like nine, I'd say. And then, um, the, what made me really want to stop? Um, not that I didn't love horseback riding. I just really, really, really wanted to impress my brothers. And I really wanted them to think I was cool. And, um, you know, they loved to surf and they thought surfing was really cool. So I was like, well, I'm gonna have to get good at something that they think is really cool. So, um, I started surfing and, um, and my brothers were like, Hey, you're like really, really good at this. Like you should keep going. And, I was kind of oblivious to it, you know, I just did it because I was with them, and I just wanted to be exactly like them and um you know, so I would just go out there every single day and I just i don't know once I started competing I, it just felt so right, and I just kind of fell in love with it and um but yeah, it all like stemmed from just wanting to really impress my brothers and you know then, after I started surfing, um you know my family was incredibly supportive, and we all moved to um California when I was about when I was about thirteen, so Um, that was a really big sacrifice. You know, I have a massive family. There's, um, I have four brothers and a little sister, so there's eight of us total counting my parents. So, um, yeah, I love my family so much. Honestly, they're like my best friends and, um, I wouldn't be where I am without them today. So that's kind of my story. pretty much grew up horseback riding and then wanted to impress my brothers and then started surfing and the rest is history.
0: (laughs) It's so good to hear. And it's such a common thing that sibling rivalry can really, make or break careers. And it sounds like you guys had such a healthy rivalry and such a great family life growing up. And I know how close you are with your family. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but something I want to touch on, which kind of interests me. And I like to talk to most of my guests about this because most of my guests are elite athletes. What was schooling life like? I know you qualified for the world tour when you were 15, which is probably in Australia here, like halfway through high school and you've been traveling the world ever since. So what was your schooling and your education like?
1: So, the pretty much like the way our like my parents like raised all of us, which I'm like incredibly grateful for is um they've always told us like hey, no matter how successful you are, or how much money you make or whatever, like school is so important and um you know, we always want you guys to be 100% in school no matter what and um you know, um I went to school in Florida till 6th um, grade and then after 6th grade I started to travel a ton. That's when we were moving out to California and I was like traveling um, with my brother and things like that. And that's like really when I started to get into surfing is, um, when I was about like 13, 14 is like when I got homeschooled. And, um, so I did a Florida virtual school for the first couple years of homeschooling. And then I moved to Lighthouse Christian Academy and did that once I moved to California. Um, and I pretty much, yeah, they would send me books and then some of it was online. So I actually graduated last year in 2020. That was probably the highlight of my year. <laughs> Super stoked. Um, but yeah, my parents were always like, hey, no, like we want you to be 100% in this. It's the most important thing is to be a great human and to, um, you know, you want to be able to talk to people and sound smart and you want to, you know, even interviews or, you know, life after surfing, like they they want, you know, you, you need to have an ed- education. It's important. And why not? Why can't you do both? Why can't you be a world champion and have, a, have an education? So um, yeah, I'm really grateful. They kind of, you know, like raised, raised all of us like that. And, um, yeah, school is very important, even though it's a pain to do, like obviously traveling, um, you know, qualifying at 15, I was like, okay, well, that's it. I don't want to do school anymore. But, um, yeah, stoked. I like, you know, graduated and, um, and all that. And, um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of what it was like.
0: Yeah, I love to hear that. That's so cool that out of 2020, something good came out of that you graduated from school and it's pretty special to hear that. I didn't expect you to say that. I thought you would have been like, I dropped out quite early because, I mean, it's quite funny when you hear sports stars from a young age. I'm sure you would have been earning twice as much as all the teachers online that were teaching you, but you're still at school getting taught. And it's really cool that your parents did keep that education as a really important thing for you and I guess all of your siblings too. One thing I want to touch on, what was it like, or how did it make you feel having, getting, well, missing out on all of the usual school things? Whether I know in America, prom's a really big thing. Like, I'm sure you missed probably all of the big school events that most normal kids go through. How'd that make you feel? Did you feel like you missed out on much, or was it something that you didn't really bother you too much?
1: Yeah. You know, obviously, um, I, for sure, I missed out on like that normal, like, I guess, teenager life and prom and formal and winter formal and things like that. But, um, you know that's one thing that I never ever ever got FOMO from. You know, to me, like traveling the world with like you know all my heroes are best friends and competing and going to places. You know, you can't really learn in a book um, what you do by traveling. Like that's something you just have to experience. And I'm definitely more of an experienced person. Um, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go go out and do it. So um, yeah, definitely never had any FOMO for that. I'm like, all I ever wanted to do, like is, when I started surfing, is after I started surfing, I was like, I just want to surf, and that's all I care about. And Um, My best friends are my brothers and like, and then like their friends. And that's, that's all I want to do is like serve with my brothers and try to impress them and then serve with their friends. And that was like my favorite thing in the world. So um, yeah, not really any, any FOMO from that. Um, And I'm pretty fortunate. I have a lot of friends around the world, which definitely is really helpful because friends are so incredibly important. So
0: um. yeah. <laughs> no, I love that you touched on as well, that idea of traveling the world, you get experiences that you definitely wouldn't get at school. And I believe, and I talk about this quite a lot in the podcast, it's almost like the university of life, traveling the world, experiencing cultures, something that can't be taught at school as much as you can learn in geography, say about different parts of the world until you go and experience them. It's really, I think one of the greatest ways to learn and to grow up and to mature. And you're obviously such a mature, mature young lady and you've achieved so many things, which I want to talk a little bit about. So, 17 USA titles before you were probably 15, I think it was. What was that experience like once you got into that early part of your surf career and winning started to become such a normal thing? How was that experience at such a young age?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I think for me, like when I started competing, you know, one of my first. Major events was uh, USA Championships down at Lower Trestles. And um, I kind of came into that event like extremely oblivious. You know, I like started surfing, did a few like local events um, right across the street from my house and served against the boys and just like didn't really know much. And um, went into that contest, yeah, like I said, completely oblivious. Like um, all I knew was that like Lowers is a really good wave. And um, I think for me like the clicker moment was like I did that event and I, I won the U Twelve Girls and that was the moment where I was like, Whoa, like, um, I have this big trophy, like I got sponsorships, my brothers are carrying me off the beach, I'm getting all this attention, like I must be okay at this, you know? And that's kind of the moment where it kind of clicked for me and I was like, Oh, this feeling is so addicting and I I just it's this is so fun. Like, are you kidding me? This can be your life, you can do what you love the most as your job, as your career, like that's so incredible and Yeah. Some of the, some of the funnest times of my life, I think were those events. So yeah, pretty cool.
0: (laughs) Let's talk about your first year on the qualifying series. Obviously you qualified at 15. So you must've been 14, which is ridiculously young to be traveling the world. Who did you travel with and what was that experience like? Cause I'm guessing you qualified on your first year on the qualifying series, which is a big feat in itself. How is that experience getting to travel not just through America but travel globally and start to yeah experience different cultures and experience winning events on a global stage?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um traveling's like obviously like one of my favorite things in the world and like I said there's that's something you can never like learn in a book, you know, you have to just go experience it and um, you know, the one of the major reasons why I did, um, you know, all those QS events, I did a full year is the year I qualified, I wasn't even planning on trying to qualify that year. You know, I just, um, I remember I went to Cabo and I also did the Supergirl Pro, which are both events that are, you know, fairly close. Mexico is really close and Cabo is just, or, um, Supergirl, sorry, is just an oceanside. So it's just a 20 minute drive from my house. And, um, I remember I did really well in those events and, I, um, that that's like why I did the other events is just to get experience in other waves and things like that. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll go to Spain and just see what happens. Or, um, i I'm going to go to Australia too, just so I can compete against the girls that are super gnarly in different kinds of waves. because one day I do want to be on the tour and I do want to, um, surf against these girls and, and things like that. So that's like why I did the QS that year. And, um, I think it's so incredibly important to have a good support crew and, um, you know, have that like, yeah, great support team when you're traveling. So I traveled with my dad a lot and, um, my mom as well. And, um, as well as Mike Parsons too, um, who's still my coach. And, um, sometimes I bring my brothers as well whenever they're off school or things like that. So, um, yeah, I think it's so important even now, like, you know, obviously I'm still super young. I'm 19, but, uh, I still always bring someone everywhere, like with me, because I think that's, that's what makes the whole journey so special is getting to share it with people you love the most, you know? And, um, like, there's no better feeling than like winning something that you work so hard for and then sharing that with your family and your friends. And it's just so special. So, um, yeah, I, I have such a massive family so I can like pick and choose like, hey, dad, I want you here. Like Luke, I want you here. Zach, like whatever mom, I want you here. And, um, it's all cool. Cause my whole family surf. So, um, yeah, Yeah, that's kind of how it all happened. But yeah, still the same support crew that I've had since I started traveling, which is, like I said, I'm so fortunate that I have such a great family and support crew. So it's pretty rad.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. And I can see how how much just in your face, smiling about your family they mean to you and how much having them there at the events has meant to you over the last couple of years. While obviously you've pretty much grown up on the road traveling, what's been something that you found quite difficult? Because I know not everything is smiley and rosy. I know there's always little speed bumps along the road. What's something apart from the COVID test? Because we're going to talk about that soon. What What's something that you found maybe a little bit difficult growing up on the road?
1: Yeah, you know, I think um, I think when you're like a especially like a young young woman, you know, growing up on the tour, I think. Um, you kind of go from like, you know, obviously just amateur, um, you know, like serving the amateur and juniors events and just seeing like a certain amount of people to, you know, going on a, a world stage that, you know, millions of people are watching you surf and kind of judging your body and, and watching you grow up on the tour. And, you know, in a way that there are times where that was like pretty challenging. And, um, you know, I I have such a, a a big family and they're so awesome, but they also have like lives too. And they can't just like drop everything they have and come with me as well. And, Um, So, you know, a lot of times being away from your family and not seeing them for three or four months at a time, like, you know, obviously I just went to Australia and didn't see my whole family for almost four months. So, you know, things like that can be can be pretty hard, especially like when you're really close to your family and, um, you know, thankful. um, There's things like FaceTime and Skype and all that, which is really helpful. But um, you know, sometimes you go through a hard loss or a hard moment and um or you get really homesick and you just kind of want your family there and they're just, you know, halfway across the planet or you're in quarantine and your family's halfway across the planet. Um, so I'd say those are probably the hardest hardest things.
0: Something you like briefly touched on at the start of that was growing up on tour and it's something that I talked to Laura and ever about the surf industry went through, especially with women went through this stage of like being a really sexy thing. And it feels like it's coming back to being a really athletic thing, which I think is great because you guys are athletes. You don't have to go out there and try and sell bikinis. You guys are going out there to try and win world titles. What's that? Do you feel any pressure with that side of things, with the whole body image and bikinis and whatnot that come with being a women's surfer?
1: You know, I think that in the beginning, like when I first kind of got thrown, like I'd say when I first qualified and um, was kind of like, like I said, that year that I qualified, I, that wasn't necessarily obviously like, you know, doing all those events, I was like, okay, my goal going into every event is to win, but I wasn't necessarily trying to qualify that year as more just to get experience against like really good girls and different kinds of waves. And, um, so, and then once I qualified, I was like, wow, okay, let's give this a go. This is like my dream. It just happened way sooner than I was expecting. And, um, I think just getting, kind of thrown into the world. I definitely read a few comments about myself on Instagram and that I was not very stoked on. And, um, you know, I think now I just, like, I just kind of embrace it all and um, try not to really feed into social media. You know, I think there's always going to be people that are going to say negative things, unfortunately, no matter what you do, it's pretty impossible to please everybody. So, um for me it's surrounding myself with really great people that make me feel good like you know I call them my feel good people and for me that's my family and my friends and my coach and trainer whatever and um you know I just kind of do what, what feels good for me and that's that's all that really matters you know if I'm happy that that's all that matters and you don't want to feed into the negative bits and a lot of times when people say negative things about you you know they're just jealous so you just got to you got to know that too so Um, but yeah, I've learned to embrace it all. Like I've learned to embrace the changes my body goes through and to just, and I've just learned to embrace it all because like life's such a gift and it's so special and our lives are, our life is so fun. So I'm kind of just like, whatever. I love my life. It's all good. But, um, yeah, yeah, pretty interesting for sure.
0: No, it's such a mature mindset. I love that you feel good people. And it's like the opinions of people on social media, it's so easy to get sucked into. And it's so great, the mature mindset that you have by it and the understanding that you have, that if you're listening to the people that actually matter to you, that's all that really matters. And it's a good kind of pickup for anyone listening to this. Respect the opinions of those around you and social media. If you don't know the person, if the person is not offering you a positive comment or at least some sort of constructive criticism, get rid like, mm-hmm. don't listen to them. It's so stupid. So much of the stuff that comes out of social media nowadays.
1: For sure. And like, look, we're all guilty of it. Like I you know, obviously, I mean, my screen time is probably more than anyone that's listening to this podcast, but, um, you know, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm guilty of it. Like I'm, you know, i i read into comments or I read into things sometimes, but then I'm also like catch myself and be like, hey, why, why am I doing this? And I feel like just throughout the last couple of years, I feel like I've really learned how to like, be like, no, I have my crew and, um, that's it. That's all I need is my crew because they're, they back me no matter what happens. And, um, they're my feel good people. And that's all I need in my life. Cause you know, that's, that's it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's such a great way to put it. And so, like I said, such a mature mindset at your age. All right. I'm going to fast forward into world tour career. First year on tour, seventh in the world. Great start to your kind of world tour life at 16. Obviously you would have been finding your feet. Second year on tour, first event of the year, you win the first event of the year. And it was the first event that, the World Surf League adopted equal prize money for men, men and women. What was that feeling like winning that event up there on the Gold Coast and knowing that you were the first woman to it was probably the biggest prize money ever for a woman to win and you would have been 17 at the time. What was that experience like?
1: Yeah, that was incredible. Um that event was so special, you know. I think um that event was super cool because uh my whole family was there it was also like the first event of the season which is always really exciting you know everyone's like fired up everyone's trained up everyone's well rested everyone's like super excited and um you know I you haven't seen people in a few months so you're like okay they're surfing better they're surfing worse like it's it's always really really fun to see and um yeah that was that was such a fun event we ran at um Duramba that year which is such a fun wave and um, yeah, that was, that was really, really special, you know, and I had Carissa in the final, which was so cool. You know, she's someone that I've looked up to, you know, my whole entire life. And, um, I have so much respect for her still. And, um, you know, she's, I still look up to her. So, um, yeah, that was a really, really special event. And like I said, my whole family was there. I remember like when I came out of the water from winning that event, like the first person I hugged, I just wanted to hug my brother. And like, I broke down crying cause I'm like, man, like you're the one who got me into this in the first place. And you're the one who I feel like I, it gives me the chills talking about it. Cause I'm like, you are the one who like, like I wouldn't be surfing if it wasn't for you. You know, I just wanted to impress you and um, you've pushed me so much. And like, that's, I just remember that was like something I'll probably never forget. So that was a really fun contest. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's so cool. And for your first win to come like that with everyone around you and for them to be with you, it obviously means so much to you. And like I touched on, it was the first event with equal prize money. What does that mean for you that the WSL has adopted that and how important is that for you that women start to get the recognition they deserve when it comes to equal prize money and, yeah, making sure that there's gender equality on the tour?
1: Yeah, it's so incredible. You know, I think also WSL is one of the first, if not the first, major sporting leagues to um, do equal pay.
2: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact
1: um, you know, I think, I think nowadays, like the girls are so good and so gnarly and everyone like works so hard and everyone's charging and, you know, girls are starting to do more airs and, you know, getting barreled on reefs and serving heavier waves. And, um, I think we definitely deserve to be, you know, equal. And it's, it was also really cool to see how supportive that all the men were, um, with us, you know, a lot of them posted on their social media and a lot of them were like really supportive of it, which is so, so cool. And, um, it's incredible. Like I said, the level of the sport is getting pushed so much and it's just going to keep elevating, which is so exciting. And, and, um, it also shows like the younger generation, like, Hey, there's such a massive future. If, if this is the life you choose to do, like it's, it's amazing. Like it's, it's such a, you get to surf and you know, you get paid well for it and, and it's, it's just incredible. So, um, yeah, major props to WSL. And it was incredible to be a part of that movement. And, You know, to me, I just like thank all the women that came before me, you know, like uh, Lisa Anderson and Lane Bleachley and Stephanie Gilmore and Carissa Moore. And, um, you know, I can go on Frida Zamba, I can go on and on and on. But those girls paved the way for, you know, for my generation to be like, wow, like and now there's equal pay. So pretty incredible.
0: (laughs) Another great thing that your timing has been immaculate with your career the Olympics. Tell me about that journey. And I want to specifically talk about that last event of the year in 20, I think it was 17 at Honolulu Bay, whereas you, Carissa Moore and Lakey Peterson one, two and three in the world and the top two made it to the Olympics. What sort of pressure did you go into that event with? Was oh my God, I have to beat Lakey or one of them to make it to the Olympics. Was that going through your mind or was it just a normal surf comp for you?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, to be completely honest, that was the most pressure I think I've ever felt in my whole life. Um, there was so much anticipation, you know, cause all of us were having such an incredible year. And I think all of us, like we've, we've talked about it, you know, before the fact and after the fact, we were going, man, like the women's um, US team is going to be the hardest one to make. Like everyone's you know, um, you know, Carissa's obviously, you know, world champion and Lakey's always like in the top three, in the top five, like such a gnarly surfer. Then you have Courtney and then you have, you know, Sage and Coco and like, I can just go on and on. So, um, you know, I think we all knew like it would be super gnarly and super competitive, um, to make those two spots. And, um, yeah, I guess going into Honolulu, you know, obviously I had a really successful, uh, European leg. I, I got first in Portugal and second in France and, um, that put me like right, um, you know, that kind of put me right there because Carissa won France and then, um, Lakey got second in the final in Portugal. So we were all just like right there. And, um, I remember leaving Europe and, um, going, man, like we're all one heat away from each other, which is so crazy. And, um, we had like a month until Honolulu started. So, um, had some time decompress from, from Europe and, um, think about Honolulu and get prepared. And, then we get to Honolua and then we had a whole entire week of the waves being flat. So it was just interviews and anticipation and world title. And, um, you know, not only going for the world title, but then the Olympics just added a whole another extra amount of pressure. And, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. I'd say there's a lot of anticipation, but to me going into it, I was just trying to embrace it all and be like, wow, this is so cool. Like, I'm serving against my two, two heroes and I'm going for not only a world title, but an Olympic spot. You know, that's so crazy to think that while I'm going for an Olympic spot, like that is so amazing that surfing's, you know, reached that level of professionalism, which I think we all deserve. And it's just incredible that I had an opportunity to, to make one of those spots. And, um, but yeah, definitely was super nervous that event. And, um, but my goal was to um, to do both for sure I was like okay I know like this is going to be super hard and super gnarly, but my goal was to obviously win the world title and make the Olympic spot even though I knew it was really hard I was like oh I'm, I'm going to shoot for the stars and um, yeah unfortunately I didn't get the world title but to make the Olympics was probably the biggest you know one of the biggest if not the biggest accomplishments of my career so yeah pretty pretty incredible for sure
0: yeah it's uh, d- don't worry I think there's plenty of world titles on the horizon being still 19 as well but Talk me through your kind of way to compress and to understand those feelings. At 17 years old, you've still got plenty of development to go as a woman and as a surfer. How was that at 17 to be going through those emotions and those feelings that must come with going for a world title? And then the Olympics was just this weird side bonus that nobody's ever had to, nobody's ever qualified for the Olympics as a surfer. It was something that is still so foreign to surfing. So, yeah, what would what would you work on with your coaches? Did you work with any sports psychologists or anything to kind of be able to understand and go through those feelings? Because at such a young age, for anybody, the mental side of sport is obviously a huge thing. But at the age that you were back then, like, was there any times where you were struggling with the mental side of it or were you just, I'm going to embrace it all?
1: Um, that's like, I mean, for sure. there. That's definitely a lot to comprehend when you're 17. And I think what saved me so well was like, um, I, I just didn't really think. I just was like, oh, I'm, I just like love love to surf, and this is so cool that I'm in this, you know, position. But I'm also like extremely hard on myself, and I want to do so good, and I want to win everything, and like it's really hard, and everyone's so gnarly, and you know, there are times where you lose, and it's just like the worst feeling ever, and you feel like a failure. But then when you win, it's so special and so amazing, and you keep coming back because you know losing sucks so much, and winning feels so good, and surfing is so fun, and. Um, that's what makes the whole game so fun. But yeah, I mean, then again, I'm just going to go back to like my feel good people, you know, like I brought my whole entire family to that event. And, um, you know, they just kind of helped me, I guess, get my mind off of it and just kind of enjoy like being in Hawaii and, and enjoy surfing and just kind of, I don't know, just, yeah, just not really think about it. And just to um just to kind of enjoy it. And they just they just make me feel good. I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. But um, yeah, I'd say my coach, um, Mike, and as well as my family, um, you know, they were all there and I just kind of surrounded myself with them and, um, they were like an amazing, um, I guess, distraction in, in a way, you know, to, to kind of like, yeah, not think too much about it, you know, and kind of just go out there and, um, and just, just have fun with it and embrace it. So, um, but yeah, that was definitely a lot of pressure for sure, but they, they helped with all that. So that was nice.
0: <laughs> what I want to chat to you about now, and this is something that I'm sure would have been so tough to deal with coming to australia for the world surf league leg this year everybody had to get a charter flight to australia and the one news story that came out was one surfer failed to record a positive a negative covid test and didn't get on the flight and it was caroline marks tell me about that story and how hard that would have been to deal with
1: holy smokes um yeah that was you know obviously i was extremely devastated and you know we've we had so much so many meetings and there was so much anticipation leading up to the Australian leg and we were all so excited and you know I pretty much had an entire year off to think about the Australian leg and to train really hard and to surf surf really hard and to work on your boards and work on your fitness and nutrition and just get everything so so dialed you know most time off we've ever experienced in our career and um you know and yeah, we, from our understanding, you know, it was like, okay, there's one, one flight going. And if you're not on that flight, you know, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to, you know, do the Australian leg. So, um, yeah, I was extremely careful, you know, those few weeks before, um, you know, I was extra, extra careful those few weeks before that plane flight, just knowing like, okay, this is the flight, you know, I have to get on this plane, you know, I'm obviously going for the world title and I just want to be in those events and it just sounds so fun. And, um, yeah, that was extremely devastating. I actually surfed that whole entire morning and felt great. And, um, yeah, I remember my, my dad called me and told me, and I was like kind of in disbelief and, um, yeah, my heart pretty much sunk and I was just like, so baffled and was like, oh my gosh, that's super heavy. And, you know, obviously I know my, my, actually a lot of my family has been really affected by COVID. So I know it's a, it's a thing. I know it's a real virus and, Um, I was just thankful in the moment going, okay, well, at least I'm healthy. And that's like, first and foremost, what's is most important, but I also felt completely fine and completely normal. So there was something about it that kind of felt, um, a little bit strange and a little bit odd. So, um, yeah, thankfully, you know, I had four negative tests to deem it was a false positive and, um, you know, thankfully WSL was able to get me to Australia and, um, they're kind of like, Hey, if it is a false positive, they're is no reason why you couldn't get there because you know you aren't sick you are you don't have covid you're actually totally fine and um it was just a faulty test which is more common than you think so um I'm just so thankful I got there and it made me like 10 times more grateful for everything and just to um just to just to surf and to be in those contests were it just made me so happy I was just like so so happy to get there so um yeah it was a dagger to the heart the way to start it but
0: it, it all ended up working out great. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was, what was that, I guess, 24 hours like from hearing the news to, was it just rushed to like, all right, I need to get another test or was it just like heartbreak? Like, how did you deal with that? That would have been like at 19 years old, I I mean, you might've been 18 back then. That must've been, so, I was so devastated when I heard it for you. I was like the poor girl, like everybody else is getting on this flight, her world titles right in reach for her this year. And then she doesn't get to get on the flight. Like how did you comprehend and yeah, deal with that
1: yeah um i was honestly like really i was like kind of in shock and um i was absolutely heartbroken i think that was the most heartbroken i've ever been in my life for sure and it just made me realize like how much this all means to me and how much um i yeah how much this all means to me and um it was yeah it was pretty wild you know because if you're not in those events it's it was you know almost half the half the tour is in australia and if pretty much if you weren't in those events, your world titles out the window and almost like your whole year. So, um, yeah, it was it was super heavy. I was pretty, pretty much in shock mode. But um, I did go get a test right away to make sure that I didn't actually have covid, um, you know, because I know a lot of times young young kids don't even have symptoms and things like that. So I was like, well, maybe I do have it and I'm asymptomatic, which could be a possibility. But, um, you know, tested negative right away and then um, pretty much was quarantining and just um you know, just kept having people come to my house and test me. And, um, yeah, within, within a a three and a half, four day period, I had four negative tests and it just deemed me to be, um, a false positive and, um, yeah, pretty, pretty wild for sure. It's crazy to like, think back about it, but, um, yeah, I went from like absolutely heartbreaking, devastated to like, to super happy because I was getting there. And then, um, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of emotions, but, Um, that
0: was wild for sure. Yeah. Well, we're definitely glad you got over here because it was a quite a successful Australian leg for you, especially this event here at Narrabeen, just down the road from where I'm sitting right now. You touched on it before. And I know because we got to hang out a little bit when you're here in Australia, you didn't travel with your family over here. What was that experience like? I know your family is so important and you know that you're feel good people that you can rely on. What was that experience like coming to Australia a long way away from home with so much going on in the world with COVID without your family, who was your travel crew and what did that mean to you to not have them with you?
1: Yeah. You know, obviously um, I, I think we all kind of knew this year would be really tricky to bring, you know, your family just cause a lot of times, you know, you can only have one person, you get a plus one or plus two. And, um, you know, they kind of told us like really early in advance, like, Hey, you can only bring one person to Australia. And, um, you know, I have tons of younger siblings, so they need their mom there and their dad there. And, um, you know, to me, I was like, you know what? I just spent the most time I've ever spent with my family, and in, a, in um, that amount of time, you know, I was pretty much home with them for a whole entire year. So, um, I guess I was in a way ready to be like, okay, like I'll I'll see you guys in a few months. Um, even though I wish they could have all been there, but just with quarantine and everything, it was just tricky for them to kind of be there. And um, so, yeah, I went with my one of my really really good friends back home from Florida. She kind of is like extended family, and um, she actually used to be my school teacher, which is like really, really funny. She used to tutor me and my family for school. And, um, she's like 10 years older than me and now she's like sister, best friend. So in a way I totally felt like I had family there. And, um, and so, yeah, I went with my friend Bailey and then also was working over there with Luke Egan, which was, um, really awesome. He's super cool and got to hang out with his family a bit. So it was nice to have that family vibe there and that really nice support crew. And, um, you know, and like I said, like, even though your family's not there with you physically, like just talking to them every day on FaceTime and I know they watch all my heats and I know they're like, I can feel the support from even halfway across the world, which is pretty crazy, but I can just feel that support. So, um, yeah, but I still, yeah, like I said, I had Bailey and Luke. So um, that was awesome. That was super fun.
0: Uh, that's great. And you did have such a successful time here. What did you think of the wave at Narabeen? I got to ask you, Narabeen's where I grew up. You came here, dominated the event, took it out. How fun was that? Getting to come and surf a few different waves as to what the tour is used to.
1: Yeah, that was super fun. And you know, Narrabeen was—I've been to Newcastle a couple times um, for the QS, but Narrabeen was a place that I've like never been to, never surfed the wave, and I was really excited for that. You know, I've been to Manly a few times, but I had no idea Narrabeen was that close. I would have driven there every single day and surfed it, but. Um, yeah, super fun. Um, and it was really nice to go left a ton for a contest. And um, never been such a rad place. Like there's so many cool cafes and everyone's super nice. There's tons of fun little waves and um, it's warm. And yeah, like I said, super fun little beach break. And um, it was really, really fun to go left a ton. So yeah, that place was awesome. And um, yeah, I would be really stoked to go back there, um, whether it's on the tour or just to go back there and visit. I really, and really enjoyed my time there. So um, yeah, super,
0: super fun wave. Nah, well, you're definitely always welcome back here. And I know my little sister, Sophia, who's a little Roxy surfer as well. And you guys became quite good friends while you're over here. So I'm sure she'll be very stoked to have you to come over. So shout out to Sophia. First time she's had a shout out on this podcast. What's up, sir? Shout out, Sophia. <laughs> legend. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So a couple more little questions to finish off. Being so young and having such a successful career, there's obviously a lot of young girls looking up to you. How important is it for you to be a positive role model to young girls?
1: Yeah, it's, it's so, so important. You know, I I think um, it's pretty crazy to think like, I guess, in a way I'm a role model, you know, because I have so many people that I look up to still. And um, yeah, you know, I think um, to me, I've always looked at someone like Stephanie Gilmore and Mick Fanning. I think they've always been, they've had such an incredible balance of um, working really hard and um, being super gnarly and like, you know, being really competitive, but also like, you know, being able to turn it on and off and um, talking to everyone and giving their time to everyone and looking everyone in the eye. And I think that's so incredible and so important, you know, because at the end of the day, what people remember is how how you make them feel and um, how good of a person you are. So, um, you know, I think to them, I really, really look up to them because I'm like, wow, they're so, um, they're so successful and they're so nice. And it's just so incredible to see. So, um, I think it's so important and um, I definitely try to do my best to be nice to everyone and to be a positive role model and to give everyone my time and um, yeah, hopefully people think I do all right at it. So yeah, it's because it's a big big deal to me for sure, so.
0: <laughs> no, nah, I love that. And that's since, I mean, we'd probably... Said hello a couple of times around the world, traveling at the QS level. And then, yeah, even just to bump shoulders with you at Narrabeen. And you're always so open to have a chat. When I pitched this podcast, you were so like, yeah, let's do it. So I'm very grateful that you were happy to do this. And I'm sure a lot of hopefully young girls and young guys and people from around the world can hear this podcast and be like, wow, Caroline's an amazing person because I know the sort of person you are. And it's great to hear your story and also hear the way that you want to give back to the younger generations and make sure that, yeah, you're not only a gnarly competitor, but you're a good human and that's what this podcast is all about. So props to you. One last little or two last little questions. What advice do you have for, let's say, young girls that are aspiring to do some big things in their life at a young age and you've achieved so much in such a short space, at such a young age, what advice would you have for young girls who want to dream big and achieve some massive goals? Like I know world titles on the horizon for you and that's obviously one of your big goals, but what advice do you have for young girls really looking to achieve anything, let alone not just surfing, but anything in their life?
1: Thank you. Yeah. I, um, you know, um, I always go back to like, okay, I like I'm, I'm doing this in the first place because I just like genuinely like love surfing so much. And I think, um, I think whatever makes you happy, like it doesn't have to be surfing. It could be surfing, but I think just do it, do what makes you happy, you know? And I think that's how you really get good at something is because every single day I wake up in the morning and I crave to, to surf. And it's just so amazing that I can do it as my career and, um, you know, give it your all. It's pretty incredible what, you know, if you set your mind to something, what you can accomplish. And, um, you know, I always say this phrase, but like YOLO, you know, like you might as well give it your all and go for it and shoot for the stars, you know? So, um, just do what makes you happy and shoot for the stars and try your hardest. And um, yeah, that's it kind of. It's pretty simple, but that's kind of what I think.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's simple, but we're all complicated. And I think a lot of young girls as well don't carry that confidence that you obviously got because you had that competitive nature with your brothers from such a young age. And I think a lot of girls get a bit sidetracked because it comes from a confidence thing. And it's so great that yours is all about that why. And it all comes back to how much you love surfing and you can just see you ooze the love of surfing and that's why you're so successful. So it's great to, great to have watched you be so successful so far, but I feel like there's some massive things on the way and yeah, I'm really excited to watch it. But the last question I leave, leave everybody with on this podcast is what does being a good human mean to Caroline Marks?
1: Oh, what being a good human. Oh, that's, everything. You know, I think, like I said, what it all really comes down to is like how good of a person you are. And, um, yeah, so it means, means everything to me. And, um, I just want to thank my parents cause they've been such great role models and, um, yeah, it means everything. Being a good human is very important. So repping it on my shirt.
0: <laughs> You're the best. Well, thank you so much for jumping on. I know everybody who's listening is going to be so inspired by your story the amount that you've achieved is amazing but like I said there's plenty more to come and I'm really looking forward to watching you continue to kick ass on tour and I mean good luck at the Olympics I'd like to say that I'm going to be cheering for you which I will be but maybe Aussie gold medal could be a nice thing too but no it's going to be really good to watch you and yeah, I'm very excited to watch some world titles come your way because your talent, your love for surfing, but just your way that you want to hold yourself and the way that you want to inspire others is uh, a really special thing. So, thanks so much for jumping on the podcast.
1: No worries. Thanks for having me. Um, Good Human Factory. I love it.
0: <laughs> if this interview has raised any concerns for you, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Good Humans was presented by me, Cooper Chapman, producer Alex Mitchell, audio production by Darcy Thompson.
2: Listener. A lot can happen in the next 3 years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend.